Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Snapshots Live. San Francisco Public Works monthly webinar series. I'm Zaji King, and this month we'll be celebrating playgrounds. We are joined by Lizzie Hirsch and Mark McRegg from Public Works and Kara Rupert from the Works Department. They will tell us about their building, designing, and maintaining the playgrounds you can find and play in across the city. Also, there's a Q&A at the end, so feel free to enter your question in the chat as they occur to you. But don't feel pressured to ask them now. Please note this is this session is being recorded, so be mindful of that. So now to start things off, we'll hear from Lizzie. Thank you, Sajay. Hi, my name is Lizzie Hirsch, and I have been uh, practicing landscape architecture for over 30 years, and over half of that time has been with the city first with uh, Reckon Park for five years as a project director and then with Public Works in the landscape architecture department. And now I actually lead the parks team studio. So before we get into what we're doing now, it's always a good idea of understanding where we came from. And so I'm just gonna give you a very quick overview of park playground development. Um, and so on the left, you can see, this is a scene from New York City uh, around 1900s. And this was where kids played, right on the street. There was no place for them. So as cities uh, got more dense and more urban, there was a deep need uh, for places for kids. And in fact, President Theodore Roosevelt uh, stated, since play is fundamental need, playgrounds should be provided for every child as much as schools. This means that they must be distributed over the cities in such a way as to be within walking distance of every boy and girl, as most children cannot afford to pay car fare. So for those of you who don't know, right at the turn of the century, uh, actually Corret, what's known as Corret now, the Golden Gate uh, Children's Quarter, was considered the very first playground in America. So uh, this slide represents a very, uh, simple version of sort of trends in, in playgrounds over time. And with every time frame, it reflects really the society at hand and its values. And so as we can see in the 1900s and 1940s, through the 1940s, children's playgrounds were very basic. They had swings, they had sandboxes, they had prescribed fenced areas. And this was really to make a safe place for kids while their parents are working in um, some of the uh, factories. So it was really a, a place to keep them safe. Now, as we moved into, into the mid-century in the 1940s and 60s, we broke away from that and got into sort of the junk or adventure playgrounds that were more sort of loose and expressive. And, um, but uh, as with every decade, uh, there's a response and, a mixture of you know, concerns with safety, kids falling, breaking arms, and um, lawyers as well. We went into the phase of standardization in the 1970s and 90s. Um, so everything's very codified and um, extremely uh, prescribed. And so that's where we um, begin our um, journey because in fact in, in year 2000, Rec Park started uh, 
issuing these uh, rec park bonds. And I think you probably have even seen them. And I'm gonna actually introduce you to Kara Rupert, who's going to actually talk about this current uh, bond program called Let's Play. Kara? Great, thanks Lizzie. And hi everyone, I'm Kara Rupert from the Recreation and Park Department. I am the program manager within our capital division for the Let's Play SF program. And Let's Play SF was, um, it came from our 2012 Clean and Safe Neighborhood Parks Bond. It was $15.5 million to renovate the most um, or the worst playgrounds in our system. Um, this slide here shows on the left a task force final report. The first step of this initiative was to convene a task force which um, set priorities on how we spend that $15.5 million. And the task force um, set criteria for selecting which playgrounds would be renovated. And they did that by selecting, um, identifying all the sites in the city that had toxic wood in playground equipment, and then identifying low income neighborhoods that were dense with children. And those three um, criteria led to the identification of 13 playgrounds that were most deserving for renovation. That number was a little too high for our $15.5 million pot of money. So we partnered with the SF Parks Alliance to raise private funds so that all 13 playgrounds would be renovated. At the end of this program, when we finish renovating all 13, Rec and Park will have no more toxic wood in children's playgrounds and will reach over 20,000 children across the 13 playgrounds. These are the 13 playgrounds on um, across San Francisco. They're distributed very well geographically around the city. Um, another priority for us was to make sure to hit every community in the city as much as possible. So far, we have completed seven of the 13 playgrounds and they're all open to the public. Two of them are just finishing construction and the remaining four are in design and community engagement still. Um, back to the importance of playgrounds, um, the campaign, the Let's Play Us Up campaign is focused on three pillars of community, creativity, and wellness. The detailed research shows that beautiful public spaces designed with deep community engagement inspire community. The idea that play helps nurture growing brains and the knowledge that kids getting outside and moving leads to physical well-being. And of course, um, I couldn't do this presentation without talking about the past year, which has been a year for everybody, but especially for children. Playgrounds were closed for months last year through the pandemic um, and reopening in the fall after a lot of advocacy from Rec and Park to reopen playgrounds. We advocated that they were essential to children based on all of the things I just said in the last slide and that they were crucial for families as well. Um, and this is a photograph of the Rec and Park and Public Works landscape team. We at Rec and Park, um, we contract with Public Works for a lot of our professional services and engineering and design services contracts from landscape architecture and architecture teams to engineering and hazardous materials surveys and construction management teams, of course. Um, and I think the next slide, I will turn it back over to Lizzie to talk about how the design actually gets worked out. Thank you, 
Thank you, Kara. Yes, um, we're just going to go over a, a quick um, overview of the process and um, give you an insight into the design process. And we work very closely in the planning phase with recreation parks to do outreach with the community. And as Kara mentioned, one of the pillars is to make sure the community has buy-in and uh, really believes in, in the improvements. So we always begin the planning process with what is working and what's not in the existing condition. So we're gonna take Washington Square Park, which is a very little pocket park within a larger park, um, and uh, take that as an example of kind of our, our, our process at hand. So we always start with the existing conditions and go to meeting one uh, and ask, the community, what do they like about this? What are they looking for? And so this is where we begin the process. Next, and well, actually in this case, I'm just gonna share with what the community did share with us. Um, of course, the sand, uh, there are issues of homelessness in, in the park. So there was people actually sleeping under the children's playground. It was dark, um, they found needles. So these were, there were some deep safety issues and this was one of the arsenic related playgrounds as well. So safety and cleanliness was key and lightening up the space was another key component. So this represents, um, this board here represents um, the kind of images and processes that we go in meeting to. Um, we often share at least up to two to three concepts to really make sure we're on target with responding to the community. So as you can see, there are two concepts we shared. And in this case, we were really trying to understand who our main audience was for the playground. Because there's an adjacent playground called Joe DiMaggio that serves a very large community of school children and older kids. We were, given the scale of this space, we thought maybe this should be really for a smaller uh, age group. So um, we came up with two uh, options. One's called the Playful Hills and on, on the left. And the other was called Through the Forest. The Playful Hills was much more for the smaller kids and the Through the Forest was for the bigger teens and school age kids. So as, as you can see on top to the right, um, the targeted age range clearly in blue to the right was a preference of two to five years old. So that pretty much drove the decision towards the Playful Hills. So this is at community three, our final community meeting just to make sure we really then understood we were really um, responding again. And this is the finalized uh, design. It's uh, based on the two hills, the Russian Hill and the um, uh, Telegraph Hill. And it's and Washington Square is kind of the meeting of the two. And so this replicated that idea. And um, using these hills as just places for young kids to learn how to climb, to slide, to begin to swing, um, developing their gross motor skills. That is key to um, child development. And we have a tunnel as well. So, but not enough for anyone to sleep in. So that was another criteria. <laughs> so this is the final uh, design as in, uh, as in shown, the, the playful hills. And you can see we have kids uh, definitely using it in the way we had hoped. And, um, I do have to share with you, my husband calls it the Teletubby Park, um, and which gives me a laugh if you don't know what that is. But anyway, I'm gonna pass it on to um, Kara, who will actually share with you 
the before and after results of the users. Hi everyone again. Um, so Rec and Park also didn't wanna just renovate parks but we wanted to quantify with data what it means to renovate our parks. Um, so we are using what's called SOPARC, which I just pulled it up one sec. It's, um, it's an acronym for System for Observing Play and Recreation in Communities. It, um, what it is is our staff goes out and literally counts who is at a site and what they're doing. Um, and they use an app on their phone to do it. Um, so what we're doing for the Let's Play sites uh, is to take counts of all of these users and activities before renovation and then again after renovation. Um, this first graph here shows those counts in blue are before and green are in after and we see for every category an increase of users. And same with the time of day that it's used from morning all the way till evening. Um, we are actively doing more counts. This is the only one, again, because of COVID, this is the only one that we've actually completed, even though we have seven projects that are open. Um, so we're going to start doing those counts again this summer. And I thought it, we all thought it would be fun to share some before and after pictures of what it means to really make these renovations um, happen. And the before pictures are on the left and after pictures are on the right. I hope that's obvious. The first uh, set on the top here is the West Portal Playground right above the Muni Tunnel in West Portal. On the left is the before and on the right is after. There's also a small nature exploration area here. Um, and uh, It all sits actually on top of the Muni Tunnel and kind of a command hub there in Muni. Um, and historically, there were leaks down into the Muni Command Center causing interruptions to service. And this renovation allowed for all of that waterproofing to be redone and all the leaks had been repaired. On the bottom is Jerry Commons Playground, which is another super interesting site, an old railroad bed that cuts diagonally through the mission. Um, on the left was the before picture and on the right is the after. It's a very small playground. Um, a lot of our Let's Play projects, were, we managed to almost use them as Kickstarter campaigns for bigger renovations of sites. Um, and this is one of them. We bundled different funding sources together to do a full property renovation here at Jury Commons. It should be opening, I believe, either July or August. Golden Gate Heights Playground is also just finishing construction, hoping to open next month. Um, an incredible renovation you can see on the right-hand side. Merced Heights Playground on the bottom is the before is um, a very sad photo of the old playground in the after on the right. I wanted to share that besides the Let's Play program, we have a lot of children's playgrounds that have been renovated over the past year or 10 years, um, but really we've opened so many projects that hopefully you guys have all seen. Um, here's just a few that have opened in the past several months. George Christopher Playground on the left is in Diamond Heights and um, opened, I believe at the very end of April. Shoreview Park on the upper right and Margaret Hayward Playground on the lower right. All with design services and engineering services from Public Works and construction management services. 
So speaking of construction management, I will pass it on to Mark Makarag, who will talk about that aspect of our projects. Thanks, Kara. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Mark Macreg with the BDC construction management team. Uh, I've worked with Public Works now for almost three years. And prior to, I worked um, on construction projects for contractors in San Francisco. Um, and as an SF native, I wanted to share some of my own personal experiences growing up, playing at some of my favorite city parks, and just wanted to give a glimpse also into the construction management perspective when working on park projects. So the photos you see here are of my grandparents and my mom and her sisters picnicking at the Conservatory of Flowers in Golden Gate Park. Uh, these, these were taken in the 1970s, just after my family had immigrated from the Philippines. And, um, and, and just in talking to my grandma about these photos, uh, she really loved the conservatory and the botanical gardens and would always take my family uh, here to visit. And to me, these were just a reminder uh, that my family and I, like so many others, uh, have benefited from all the parks and playgrounds throughout the city. So one of my personal favorite parks is Glen Canyon. It's actually just down the hill from George Christopher. Um, and if you haven't been there, I recommend walking the trails and checking out the new rec center. Uh, it's a great park to hike around in, and it's one of those where you really feel like you're kind of no longer in the middle of a city. You're uh, really able to disconnect. Uh, but the main reason it's one of my favorites, obviously, is because there's a, a rock climbing area in the heart of the park, as you can see from the photo on the right. Um, uh, like I said, in the middle of the park, there's this like chert um, rock outcrop that I used to climb in. And it's actually the first place I ever climbed outdoors. Um, and back in 2014, when I was working for the contractor, I actually had the opportunity to work on the Glen Canyon Trails project. Um, which uh, was, I think, designed by Public Works and um, led by Wreck-It Park, obviously. Uh, and the project consisted of renovating and building new trails, making them safer uh, and more accessible. We also built some new stringer steps, some new retaining walls, a uh, couple small bridges. Uh, but obviously the best part for me was that at the end of the day, I'd wait for everybody to kind of pack up and go home and go bouldering. Uh, and now it's my main hobby. And since that time, uh, Reckon Park, with the help of Public Works, renovated the Rec Center, which is an awesome facility. There's a new climbing wall, uh, new basketball courts, tennis courts, and playgrounds. And, and just for me, thinking back on all of these experiences um, that I've had in places like Glen Canyon and among others are a huge reason why I really wanted to be a part of Public Works and why I enjoy uh, working with Reckon Park. Um, and from the construction management perspective, just wanted to share some of the challenges you might find that are specific to park projects and how the CM team helps navigate uh, the project to prevent and minimize issues. So one project in particular that I worked on was the Geneva Community Garden. Uh, and it's a approximately 10,000 square foot lot along Geneva Avenue uh, between San Jose Avenue and Delano. Uh, it's a super busy intersection uh, and Geneva kind of acts as sort of a corridor for folks on their daily commutes. There's a bus stop right in front of the project. The 280 freeway is up the street um, along with the Muni and Balboa BART stations. Um, all to say that there's just, there's a lot of community and neighborhood interaction with the project. 
Um, and although it's not technically the responsibility of the CM and contractor to engage with the community, it, uh, we do interact with neighbors in the field daily and we do our best to, to limit the disruption to their daily lives. And so to help illustrate this, um, if you look at the photo on the left, um, when we did the initial construction survey, we actually found that one of the neighbor's um, fences was encroaching into the, the park property. And so we actually had to tear down their fence and, um, and put a temp fence up. But of course, before the work started, uh, the Rec and Park PM, uh, along with the assigned CM, uh, went around to knock on these neighbors' doors, let them know that uh, we were working, how long we'd be, we'd be working, and uh, to come up with a solution uh, to take their fence down and continue our work. Uh, another challenge that we ran into uh, was that we had to reroute the bus stops and also reroute a lot of the pedestrians to the other side of the street. Um, and the CM, the construction management team helps make sure that the contractor works with the proper jurisdiction. So in this case, it'd be BSM and Muni to move the stop and to safely reroute traffic and pedestrians. And uh, another concern on the, so the photo on the right, you can see that large pile of soil there. Um, it's kind of just the nature of these parks and playgrounds that you'll be doing a lot of earth moving, uh, a lot of excavating and grading. And uh, obviously Geneva was no different. Um, so the CM team makes sure that the contractors implementing everything they can do basically to prevent dust from spreading uh, onto people's cars and into their homes. Nobody really wants that. So. so yeah, in addition to like all the coordination and document facilitation and inspections that the CM does, um, we also really play an integral part in making sure construction activities don't cause too much disturbance uh, to the community. And here you can see the end result of Geneva Community Garden. And one final project I wanted to discuss was uh, a really fun one to work on. Uh, it was, it's a unique project in that it is the first bike only park in the city. It's located at the south end of McLaren Park on Sunnydale Avenue. Uh, and it was previously an unused lot uh, we did uh, a full demo. We regraded the land, added irrigation and drainage. Uh, we added a bike pump track and a large main bowl feature that you can kind of see here in the middle of the photo. So uh, one of the features that I think is really, really cool is this uh, wall ride feature that uh, kind of bookends the uh, main bowl. Um, and this wall ride is actually anchored down uh, by three uh, 2,000 pound precast concrete blocks that are dug into the soil to act as sort of the anchor and foundation to stabilize the wall. And uh, another cool feature about McLaren Park, about McLaren Park is, uh, if I remember correctly, is that the, the topsoil that is used to shape all of the bike features was actually uh, used in the X Games uh, and donated to the project for, for all the fine grading. And I think overall, the most important and impactful thing about the parks and playgrounds, uh, ones like McLaren Bike Park, is that it just it serves as a safe and fun space for the communities nearby. And I feel like it's really important work and feel really fortunate to work with you all to help create these spaces for others. Um, so to wrap up the presentation, I'll hand it off to Kara and Lizzie, who will go into the outlook and future of San Francisco's parks and playgrounds. Thanks. 
So we did start the presentation, Lizzie started the presentation with the history of play. We just talked about what we're currently working, working on and how we're um, renovating a lot of playgrounds and other parks around the city. And we wanted to end on the future of play. So first is another Let's Play project that's in design right now is the Buchanan Street Mall in the Western Edition. On the left, upper left is what it looks like currently. So if it's still in design, so we haven't started construction. You can go out there today to see what it looks like. And on the bottom left is the rendering um, showing the vision for the future. And the other images are precedent images to show some um, ideas for different design elements. And Reckon Park um, was part of the 2020 Health and Recovery General Obligation Bond where $239 million is specifically set aside for parks and open spaces. And we specifically, a part of that is $9 million just for children's playgrounds as well. So we look forward to continuing this renovation of all the children's playgrounds around the city. So um, as we, as Kara mentioned, we, we looked to the past and in the beginning and showed with what we're doing currently. And now is sort of where things are heading and, and um, we wanted to introduce you to these nature exploration areas that are gonna start popping up. Uh, just recently, there was issued um, draft guidelines to the nature exploration areas which is actually an interagency um, document. It includes SFMTA, it includes PUC, it includes Rec Park, um, Public Works. Uh, so this is the notion that children absolutely need to be exposed and, and um, touch natural things. There's tremendous benefits related to that. And um, also not at such a prescribed space and, um, the space is also supposed to allow what's called loose parts, this notion that you can move things and play around with things. Um, and so on the left is an example of something from SFMTA's property. This is right off a path of theirs. So just using existing logs and mulch and uh, just a wonderful little place to just ponder through. And then George Christopher is an example of how we can integrate these things within actual playground. So this is actually part of the, the playground within uh, the larger playground to allow for a different kind of play experience. And finally, this is a future park and just a heads up. Um, this is at Heron's Head. So it's, it's just um, a park that will just be dedicated or a playground just dedicated to nature exploration. And um, so that's a larger scale endeavor happening at India, no, Heron's Head Park. So um, on that, I think we will conclude our presentation. Um, and I just, this is another happy, I'm just gonna plug, this is um, oh, Conch Call. I think I've got that right, or it was formerly known as 17th and Folsom. So uh, anyway, this is another great park. And it's wonderful to see what pleasure brings to people. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lizzie. And thank you to the rest of our uh, panelists as well for giving us the overview on how Public Works and the Parks Department, along with other city agencies, um, build and design the city's parks and playgrounds. Uh, my name is Ben Peterson. I'm on the Public Works communications team. I'm going to be uh, facilitating the Q&A portion of today's webinar. 
Um, if you have any questions and you haven't asked them already, uh, feel free to just type them into the chat and we'll try to <clears throat> get through as many of them um, in the next 15 minutes um, as we can. Uh, this first one um, is from Melinda Sullivan. And um, this one, I guess, is maybe best for Kara and Lizzie since Mark, uh, during his por portion of the presentation, talked about a couple of his favorite parks. But um, Lizzie and Kara, what are some of your personal favorites? It doesn't have to be ones that you designed or worked on or just uh, personal favorites that you enjoy going to in your free time. Well, that's, that's a really hard question. It's like picking your children. <laughs> um, so I have to be a little bit honest though. The whole reason why I think I got involved you know, in public works is how much it can transform a community. And I had that benefit of understanding that uh, through my own community, I, I live in North Beach and I actually uh, started working on this project. It's called Dodemagio Park um, or Playground, North Beach Playground, Dodemagio Park. Um, and it was a labor of love. Uh, it started as a volunteer and eventually, uh, I actually had many different um, positions on this. I was at one time uh, the rec park representative and then I became the designer. Um, and it took about a 16 year process, but it's really about transforming a neighborhood and bringing this combination of really public good to our neighborhood, which included the uh, renovation of the library, the reciting of the playground. Um, and any time that I feel a little bit frustrated or down, I just walk around the, the park and it reminds me how much we can bring our community together. And um, because it's, it's really a center and, and a new vital center to this community. So I think it's, it's that, though it took way too long, 16 years. <laughs> Great, thank you, Lizzie. Um, Kara, would you like to add something? Yes, um, it's probably not clear to everyone, but as project managers, we live and breathe these projects for years and years and years. And Lizzie kind of alluded to that in her statement about Joe DiMaggio. Um, and we get really attached to these projects. They become our babies, <laughs> I have to say. And so my, my work baby, I would say, is Willy Wu Wong in Chinatown. Um, it opened earlier this year, and it is an incredible, interesting site for um, urban landscape architecture. Um, it's really kind of this interesting courtyard space in a really dense and wonderful community. Um, there's a lot of what I call borrowed landscape of the neighborhood that you can see from the site. Um, and in Chinatown, every square inch matters. So we really packed in the activity in the playground, um, but we didn't like let go of the beauty. It's not just, um, it's not just swings everywhere, right? It's um, a really interesting design and a wonderful space. And then for my family, I would say um, we live right near the Panhandle and the Panhandle playground, which was also part of the Let's Play program. We didn't focus on it today, but we go there all the time because it's our neighborhood playground. And we also ride bikes all the way into Golden Gate Park to the ocean now because our street is one of the slow streets and we can leave our house and ride bikes safely all the way to the zoo actually. Um, and we do that and we love Golden Gate Park. Um, of course, who doesn't really love Golden Gate Park, I guess. <laughs> That's not an unusual one, but those are my favorites. Great, thanks Kara. Um, 
this next question is uh, for, I guess, maybe best for Mark and or Lizzie. Um, does, we talked a lot about you know, different uh, parks and recreation areas uh, that Public Works has a hand in designing and, and managing the construction of, um, but do we also help build and design playgrounds um, that are on San Francisco like uh, schoolyards or like you know, in, in schools? Um, and if so, how um, are these projects any different than you know, traditional park spaces? Uh, I'm actually not too sure if um, we uh, work on park projects on schools. Uh, I might have to hand that one off to Lizzie. Um, can you help yeah. me out? <laughs> so we do not um, design school yards because that's a state funded program. So it's uh, not okay. a city fund program. However, I think you saw in the slides um, the forest hills uh mta nature exploration uh so we are involved in that kind of project with other um uh, agencies i mean we also have a very large project with sfpc that's underway called 1550 evans um, and it includes a very significant sort of playground and um in fact child care on that site. So there are a few unique um, uh, other, other agencies we work with, but not the schools themselves. Great, thank you, Lizzie. Um, this next one, uh, I think is maybe best for Kara since she talked about it during her portion of the um, presentation. Um, how long has uh, the Parks Department in the city been using SOPARC data? And as a kind of second question, uh, was there like an analog version of compiling this data before the actual technology existed? Was there like someone in the park taking the tally of, you know, who was doing what at the park, how many people came at this hour, or is this kind of like a wholly new um, way of viewing things? I don't know totally, to be honest. Um, I think, you know, the Let's Play program, um, we had an interest in doing this. And so we pushed that forward specifically for the program. I know um, our, other, or other divisions within Rec and Park, they do do um, user counts around our system. Um, I don't think they use park data necessarily. Um, they use like cell phone data even and other ways of counting people depending on what they're really looking for. Um, I just don't really know to be honest. So I can't really answer that one too clearly. Okay, no problem. Um, thank you for, for answering either way. Um, um, this next one I think is, uh, could just be for, for anybody, uh, any of the three panelists. Um, it seems like, you know, getting public buy-in and having, um, you know, the people that live in these neighborhoods um, have input throughout the, the design process is, uh, is very important because people spend so much time, especially families um, at these uh, playgrounds and park areas. Um, in your experience, what are the things that people most commonly bring up or are concerned about or wanna make sure of um, during these types of um, interactions? Or does it kind of vary between neighborhood to neighborhood or, you know, site to site even? Hmm. Um, I think, oh, go ahead, Kara. Sorry, I think it varies a little bit from neighborhood to neighborhood, but specifically for playgrounds, I talk about the three S's are what people really want. Swing, slides, and sand. <laughs> if you bring those to the table, people get really engaged, um, but, a lot of people are looking for really interesting and different spaces for their neighborhood. Um, they don't want necessarily just your 
catalog equipment, um, they get really interested in a creative process and they provide us a lot of feedback. And yes, I agree wholeheartedly that outreach is so important. We definitely believe that these, these projects and these parks are the neighborhoods. And so they belong to that neighborhood and that community and we wanna provide what that neighborhood and community wants. Lizzie, what's your experience? Do you think that people ask for the same things? Uh, you know, I think it varies a lot by the neighborhood actually. It's really driven by the neighborhood and the community. I mean, the difference between the concerns at Washington Square Park and Golden Gate Heights, and they're almost identical in square footage, were completely different. Um, I mean, I can remember at Golden Gate Heights when we were showing kind of an interesting play structure that was sort of out of the box. They said to us, oh, we don't want one of those because we don't want everyone to descend on this, this park. We want this for our community, <laughs> you know? So, it, you know, everyone, yeah, I think it's really a neighborhood. But Kara is correct that the basics are always there, like the climbing and the sliding and the swinging is those are fundamentals, movement and, you know, so. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what those two were saying, uh, I wanted to give like a specific example because uh, I've worked at Garfield Pool and actually one of my good friends lives uh, just across the street from there. And one of the main features of Garfield Pool is this like awesome mural that's, uh, that sits across the old um, locker rooms. Um, and we covered them up during construction. And my, my friend was like really concerned that we were taking it down or, you know, getting rid of it. And, uh, and I was like, no, like this is, this is here to stay. We're actually expanding on it. Um, and so, and I think, I think that mural, I don't want to speak for what that mural means at all, but I just think that, um, like these, like Kara and Lizzie were saying, it's kind of, uh, the park is, is, is part of the community. And I think that's like, a, that was a big feature that um, the, the, the folks who live there really wanted to keep. So just a, one example. Great, thank you all. Um, we have time for a couple more questions. This next one is, is uh, probably best for Mark. Um, you talked about the kind of like unique aspects of the McLaren bike park and um, how uh, the approach to grading that park is different because it's designed for bikes and you know, there's the um, embankments and things like that. Um, is it similarly difficult to like keep that park maintained? So, you know, it's still safe for everybody and, you know, the mounds are failing or, you know, the equipment's all still intact. Is it still, is it something that's, it's kind of difficult to maintain as well, or like a specialized kind of thing? Uh, from what I understand, um, after visiting the park a few times and talking with the maintenance folks, they, uh, they actually are able to kind of modify the the um the grading as as they want to, to create new features here and there to kind of like switch up and um make new some of the um experiences that you can have at the park um but i would say that um you know it gets beat up pretty good so mm -hmm. there is a lot of maintenance that's involved um and uh and uh you really have to take care of that topsoil that um that's like the main feature of 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 the whole park Great. It's good to know that they kind of uh, change things up once in a while too. So it's not the same loop or the same kind of uh, terrain every single time. Um, we have time for one more question. And this one's from uh, Josephine Wong. 
Um, she's wondering, uh, well, she first says thank you for all of the amazing work. Um, she loves the city's parks. Um, and she's wondering if there are any updates to re rehabilitating some of our more worn out parks. Um, some um, in the Outer Sunset on uh, Vicente Street, um, mostly just like turf uh, and things like that are, that are eroding. Um, I know we talked a lot about the Let's Play SF program and kind of how that was the, the impetus um, starting, you know, a few years back to um, improve some of the more um, worn out playgrounds. But is there maybe like a next phase of that? So we, a few years ago, Rec and Park um, created a, a new um, series of project managers that are specifically looking at deferred maintenance across all of our projects or all of our properties. And they're going around doing some of that long-term deferred maintenance. And it can be as simple as just replacing turf. Um, I think maybe this is, I can't tell if the turf question is about playgrounds or play fields. Um, but we have a program to renovate all of our play fields turf as well. Um, they, there is, just like playgrounds, a useful lifespan to these types of materials. And they do have a... Um, a regular maintenance period and replacement period that has to come up. And specifically South Sunset Playground um, should start construction for replacing that turf in the play fields actually this summer, I believe, or early fall. I'm not sure if that's the same one that Josephine is asking about. She says playgrounds, okay. <laughs> so, um, our deferred maintenance staff will probably be replacing some of the surfacing. Um, and then that $9 million of playground money from the next bond, we haven't decided or even started to talk about which playgrounds will be renovated with that pot of money, but hopefully that will also be in discussions in the next half a year or so, so we can start on some of the other playgrounds around town. Great, thank you, Kara. Um, the parks department coming to a park near you soon. So, you know, we'll be, <laughs> getting there. Um, that is about all the time that we have uh, for questions uh, for today's webinar. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Um, and now to wrap things up, I'm going to give the mic back to our special guest host, Seiji King. Take it away, Seiji. Thank you to our panelists for sharing with us today. And thank you to you all for joining us today. Please join us on the third Thursday next month for the next edition of Snapshots Live. Also, don't forget to forget to log this as an hour of training. <laughs>